when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends! With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, all right? I need help. E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh, yeah. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh, my God. Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increasing amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my. Jacob Kornhauser, the author of The Cup of Coffee Club, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. club it's a unique look at guys who've only played at one game in the major leagues it's done here by jacob kornhauser who also has been a part of the media for several years now currently working for fox out on the west coast first question would be why this book titled a cup of coffee club 
Yeah, I was just talking um, with a buddy of mine who's a big baseball fan too, um, back when the project kind of reached its impetus. And uh, I had the idea for just that as a concept. Um, and then kind of, I, um, I just reached the impetus um, kind of talking with a, a buddy of mine who's a big baseball fan as well. Um, and I didn't think of it as a book idea. I just said, you know, what if, how many guys do you think there are that, that have only played one game in the majors? And uh, we thought it was a pretty good idea. I started looking into it, um, got a group of maybe 50 guys or so, and then started looking into those guys, narrowed it down to 25 to 30 um, who had stories that I, that I had background on that I knew were, were pretty cool. Um, and then started reaching out to guys with the hope that I could get about half of those, those people into a book um, and was able to obviously reach 11 of them. So the numbers there would be, I think, in the research, 1,000 over time of Major League Baseball, but also 150 over the past 50 years, which puts that at about three every year or 3% of all baseball. Yeah, yeah. So it was about 1,000 or so total, um, but it used to be way more common. Um, back in like the early days of baseball, there were a lot of guys who kind of just came in uh, for one game and, and were never recorded having played another major league game. But a as you mentioned, the last 50 years or so, there's only been an average of about three per year, uh, something like that. So yeah, about 150 or so over the last half century. Now, I found this pretty interesting during the read, but what really stuck out for you in terms of the family dynamic across the board in this book? Yeah, well, obviously there uh, are three kind of uh, relations of, of Hall of Famers um, in the book. You've got two brothers of Hall of Famers and a son of a Hall of Famer. Uh, Chuck Lindstrom, the, the son of a Hall of Famer who played in the 30s, um, then he ended up playing in the 50s, and he's kind of the, the oldest player back um, that's featured. And he kind of felt like he was living the shadow of his dad a little bit. Um, it kind of ended up ultimately hurting, you know, his – love for the game, uh, unfortunately, but it kind of made his story unique. Um, and then you've got uh, Larry Yount, who's the older brother uh, of Robin Yount. Um, so he kind of had his playing career before Robin really burst onto the scene as kind of a teenage phenom. Um, he let Robin kind of uh, take batting practice with the Denver Bears when he was in Denver um, in the minor league system. And then he kind of ended up negotiating contracts for him with Bud Selig. So he and Bud Selig became friends, which is pretty cool. Um, and then Stephen Larkin and Barry Larkin, uh, to me, was the coolest relationship because they were eight years apart. And so they never played together on the same team or anything growing up, you know, in, in different sports because they were just too far apart in age. So that one game that they played together with the Reds uh, in 1998 was the one time in, in each of their lives that they got to be teammates and for it to come in a major league game was pretty cool. Exactly. And Barry was actually hurt doing that game when hit by a pitch in the ribs. But out of the 11, what really stuck out for you story-wise? besides the family dynamic? Uh, I usually, you know, with this kind of question of which one stuck out the most to me, I usually go with Sam Marcinek, uh, his story, you know, pitched for the 2004 Yankees, uh, which was already after kind of a whirlwind uh, of an early career for him. You know, he signed out of high school. Um, he was a, a pretty decent uh, prep prospect. 
but then he got into drugs and alcohol and everything. His, his career and, and life kind of started derailing in a way. Um, he gets traded to the Yankees from the Rangers organization and kind of starts turning things around. You know, the Yankees had more resources to give him and trying to, you know, keep him on track. And it worked to a degree because obviously he reached the majors and, you know, Joe Torre told him he was going to be there the rest of the season uh, in 2004. He would just basically be a mop-up guy in the ninth to, to save Mariano's arm. Um, but then right after his, his one game, it's the all-star break and he ends up getting an injury again related to kind of his drinking and his other issues that he had. So that is kind of the low point that he reaches, but then his story and how it takes a, a 180 and how he kind of, turns his life around um, both during the tail end of his playing career and then after his playing career and how he's still doing that uh, was really cool for me to be able to tell. And then he kind of, you know, reached out to me after reading his chapter and said, you know, it brought back memories he hadn't felt or emotions he hadn't felt in, in 10 years and, and stuff like that. So to feel that I could, I guess, do that sort of full circle journey story justice was really rewarding. What's the feedback been, both fan-wise and subject-wise? Yeah, the subjects have been uh, great, the the guys in the book. So like I said, Marcinek reached back out to me. Um, you know, I'm Facebook friends with a handful of the guys, uh, at least the ones that have Facebook or follow each other on Twitter and stuff. And, and all the guys um, have reached back out to me and, you know, appreciated both getting the copy, reading their chapter, reading, you know, the whole thing in general and being interested kind of by these other guys' stories that, uh, they have this sort of kinship with, even though they didn't necessarily know, you know, any of these other players, you know, some of them that played in the same era might've played against each other in the minors. So they were aware of them. Um, but that feedback has been great. And then the fan feedback has been good too, because I thought that this was a unique idea, but you know, you never really know until you put something out kind of into the world and, you know, see what people think of it. So to have all these baseball fans that really haven't experienced, you know, the, a full length, you know, book sort of thing on this subject and to appreciate kind of the uniqueness of it uh, has been really, really nice to hear. Do you see potential for a second book on this topic? Yeah, for sure. There's um, a bunch of guys either, you know, there's a, a few guys who outright just said they didn't want to be involved in the book. So maybe, you know, years later, they changed their mind. Um, but then there's a, a handful of other guys um, that I either couldn't get in contact with or were kind of, I guess, lower on my list than some of the guys that I included here. So there's definitely, I think, still a pool of, you know, 15 to 20 players of which I would like to, again, get 11 or so um, if I were to write a, a second one. So it's certainly a possibility. Now, what about the mental and physical toll it takes on guys? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the most important thing for me to focus on going into the project. I knew I'd find other, you know, offshoots of, of different themes and storylines that, that popped out to me. Uh, but that mental battle, like you said, really was at the heart of everything because, you know, people don't think about it a lot. In the minor leagues, you're competing against your teammates for jobs. You know, you, you've got these guys that are that you're spending all your time with, but at the end of the day, like you're competing with them, unless you play just so wildly different positions that it's not applicable. Uh, you're really competing with these guys on your team. So that's part of the mental aspect. And then just the minor leagues in general are such a grind and trying to get to the majors um, is such a grind. And to get there for one day and then just be sent right back down or, you know, sit on the bench for a while and then be sent back down. It really is a, a unique look and an even more sort of amplified 
example of the, the mental grind and the mental toll uh, that the game takes on you. And it was interesting to look at these guys and see how they look back on it afterward. Now, where can folks find a copy of the Cup of Coffee Club and what formats is it in? Yeah, yeah, you can get it uh, as either an ebook um, or that physical hardcover copy. Um, you can go on Amazon, um, just search it in Amazon. Indie bo- uh, IndieBound is another one that I've been uh, sending people to that helps independent bookstores. Um, so if that's something that you want to do, uh, IndieBound is another good option, barnesandnoble.com. Pretty much, you know, e- even if you are searching other ways other than those three. Um, you can just Google the Cup of Coffee Club. Uh, it should be one of the first results, and, and you can find different ways to order it. Uh, any new projects coming up before we let you go? Yeah, uh, so my my brother is my editor. He was my editor on, on this project, and he and I actually co-wrote a book um, that should be coming out hopefully uh, either late this year or early next year. We're hoping right around the holidays this year, but we'll see. Um, if the timing works out on that. And it's basically more of a single narrative um, about a college baseball player and kind of his journey overcoming all these obstacles and, and ending up playing uh, in the College World Series. So that's the next one down the pipeline. The Cup of Coffee Club is definitely a good read, especially during these strange times of COVID and home isolation and different things like that. So make sure you check out the book. Thank you. Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. Wow! Thinking your day is bad and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. <laughs> now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting Now That's What I Call Depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars. Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend whilst in Sail Black 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in the full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS.
Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, I'm Larry Holmes, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Here at Knockout. 